Bobby's going to share this morning. This is Bobby. So yeah, come on up here, Bobby. Um, I'm, I'm excited to have you here, Bobby. Um, if you were a part of Lookout, you may remember Bobby spoke like 17 years ago. And that's because uh, I spoke for the, I did the chapel service for the National Speakers Association um, and met Bobby and uh, just really loved Bobby. He came and spoke at Lookout and so um, loved Bobby's heart, what he had to share. So when he called me, I said, well, dang, Bobby, that might be pretty cool, but um, the church isn't thousands of attenders anymore. Um, ever since I said, I think Jesus is going to pull this thing off and save the world. Um, but there's some wonderful people here and people watching online, and we would love to have you share. Bobby speaks around uh, the country, even the world, and um, schools, and to football teams, and all sorts of things. And Bobby has a huge heart for Jesus, and I'm just uh, really grateful for him. So Bobby's going to speak, and then afterwards he's going to picnic with us, and he's got books and stuff too if you want to have some, but let me pray for him, and then you'll take it away, right? Yes, sir. So God, thank you so very much for Bobby. I do thank you for his heart. I thank you for his life. I thank you, Lord, for how you speak through him. Thank you that your spirit lives in Bobby spirit flows between us. To you be the glory, Lord God, in Jesus' name. And we pray that, Lord, um, you preach, that we'd all preach together through Bobby. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, Pastor Hyatt will not come out and say this, but he did say to me before, he said, Bobby, when you step up there to preach, please remember the 10th beatitude. I go, huh? He goes, the 10th beatitude is this. Blessed are the short-winded, for they shall be invited back. Maybe that's why he let me. I'm just playing. They know I would never say that. I know you would. <laughs> but to everybody in-house and everybody joining virtually, thank you so much for being part of today. I always love to say this to people. Is you did not have to come and you chose to come. And we're grateful and I'm honored that you came. Number two, for those who are virtually tuned in, thank you for tuning in because you didn't have to tune in. And the fact that you tuned in today is pretty wonderful and amazing. I love being back here and I'm honored to be back here. I spent my whole childhood coming through the Colorado Rockies and going out west. My mother's brother went to Washington State, became a lumberjack. So five summers growing up, I would come out here. I now live in Florida. But you could tell by my very strong accent, I grew up in the very deep south, part of Brooklyn, New York. I always tell people, if you ever go to Brooklyn, bring a camera, because you'll see things in Brooklyn, I promise, you'll never see again in your life. First thing, your camera. Growing up in Brooklyn, I grew up with two wonderful parents. Dad's Italian, mom is Swedish. You're looking at the original Swedish meatball, just so you know it. But growing up in Brooklyn, I wanted to be like my uncle. It's a miracle I'm alive if you follow baseball. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. I was a Boston Red Sox fan in Brooklyn, New York. It's a miracle I lived. But my uncle Rico Petroselli played for the Boston Red Sox for 15 years. I wanted to be like him. I went to the same high school he did. I graduated high school. I go all the way out to Tulsa, Oklahoma. I play major college baseball, number one team in the nation at a Christian university called Oral Roberts University. By the time I'm a senior, I couldn't hit the curveball, but I was a smart college student. 
I crammed the four-year college education into six years. I kept on switching my majors. My first major was French. Imagine a guy from Brooklyn teaching French. Hey, yo, parlez-vous français. I always want to know how you say forget about it in French. I finally get into education to be an impact and have an impact on the lives of others. I meet my wife, Ava. She's from Texas. Friends told me to get together with her. I'm thinking, I can't get along with a girl from Texas. We talk different. I say, use guys. Ava says, y'all. We ever have children, they're going to say, yous all. Within a year after I graduate college, I get engaged. We didn't have Google Chrome back then, so I went to the dictionary and I looked up the word engaged. I want to know what I'm getting into. No joke, the actual definition of engaged in the dictionary reads, to do battle with the enemy. What? So I go a step further, I look up the word mother-in-law. Big star next to it says, see the word engage. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Ava and I are engaged a year later. We're married. We're married for two years. We move in our first house. I'm in the house for several months. This one Thursday night, I travel 90 miles away to coach in a football game. Was new to me. Every school in Brooklyn was 90 seconds away. I'm traveling 90 miles, and to top it off, I'm coaching high school football in front of 5, 10, 15, 20,000 fans. Brooklyn, I played my high school football in front of 20 fans, but they were faithful. They came on the field and beat up our opponents after the game. I tell people my high school football team was tough. We'd sack the quarterback and then go in the stands and sack his family, get to the root of the problem. I get home this Thursday night, there on the table, my second love of life, a big bowl of pasta. I taught Ava how to make Italian food. I devour three bowls of pasta. And I did mention I am Italian. I have no family in the mafia. Well, I realized why, I don't know if Pastor Hyatt told you why nobody sits too close to me. Like all Italians from Brooklyn, I spit when I talk. That's why Italians talk with their hands to catch all the spit before it hits people. And yes, I do have a cousin Vinny, just so you guys know that. Well, I finished devouring. Ava says goodnight to me. I watch a little more TV. I crawl into bed next to her, kiss her on the cheek, tell her I love her. She mumbles she loves me back. To make a long story short, because I really want to get to the message God put on my heart today. I wake up an hour later. I'm sitting in my dining room window, and there's a full-size F-150 Ford pickup truck parked in the middle of my house. To make a very long story short, for those of you who don't know my testimony, a drunk driver traveling at 70 miles an hour rips through my bedroom wall, runs me over completely, flips me up on the hood of the truck. I end up in the dining room window. My wife is caught up underneath the truck. My wife is buried under the truck. It took the paramedics 45 minutes to get to her. And I was told by the chaplain of the local police department in League City, Texas, that my wife Ava did not make it, that my wife Ava had died, that she had suffocated. It took them 45 minutes to dig her out. They got to her, she was dead. People use this phrase and expression all the time, take life one day at a time. If you're an athlete, play your game one game at a time. And I tell people all the time, if you hear nothing else I say this morning, remember these words. Life does not happen one day at a time. It happens one moment, one choice, one decision, one action, one reaction at a time. Athletic events never take place one day at a time, one game at a time. They take place one play at a time. And every play could change the momentum, the outcome, and the direction. Let me make it real clear. In Revelations 3.20, it's as clear as day. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus is already at the door of the lives of every single person on this earth, including everybody here in this house, at the door already knocking. 
the simplicity of my prayer for everybody in this house or everybody in the world and everybody tuned in. My prayer for you is very simply that you would be tuned in to the voice of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is always speaking. We're not always listening. And that that Holy Spirit that is already even alive in you, because I say this to people all the time, you never go to the gym to find a muscle. You go to the gym to develop the muscle you already have. You're sitting in this house this morning and one of the women had shared that even during the prayer time. The greatest power in the universe is living inside of us. It's learning how to access, activate, and manifest that power that is within us. You see, the very first night I realized that when I had lost my wife, because I'm laying in the hospital bed surrounded by so many people from the school I worked at, from the church I was part of. I was actually at that time part of Lakewood Church. John Osteen was the pastor. My wife Ava was best friends with John Osteen's daughter, Joel Osteen's sister, Tamara. And the reality is, I prayed this prayer with John and Dodie Osteen there. I said, God, I can't even imagine what I'm about to go through. But your word tells me I have to forgive this man. There ain't no way on this earth I could forgive this man who drove drunk through my house and changed my life forever. Because I want to lay hands on him and prayer has nothing to do with it. Your Holy Spirit is the only way that I can do what you're calling me to be and do. And that's what I share And Pastor, Pastor Hyde and I were talking about this before the service. I hear some of the greatest sermons in the world, but let me make it very simple and very clear. Apart from the Holy Spirit, you and I cannot do anything that God's word teaches us and tells us to do. You see, I shared with him, they say the normal, typical male speaks 7,000 words a day. The typical female speaks 27,000 words a day. Bobby speaks 27,000 words a day. But in all honesty, if you take 7,000 words a day, the three and a half years that Jesus was on this earth, he would have spoken nine million words. Four and a half days worth is all that's recorded in the Bible, 31,500. Where's the rest of the words? Pastor Hyde and I were talking so much when we're tuned into the Holy Spirit, things become expanded. They become explained. They become understandable. That's why one of my favorite things that anybody's ever put together is a show called The Chosen, where it shows kind of the interaction that Jesus has. One of my favorite parts of the whole Chosen is the marriage supper of the Lamb. Excuse me, the marriage supper is when Jesus turns the water into wine. He performs a miracle. They're blown away. Well, now they're out on the dance floor dancing and having the time of their life. But the disciples are looking at Andrew because Andrew can't dance. And they're joking on Andrew. And they look at Jesus. And Jesus is laughing too. And they go, come on, Jesus. You just basically turn the water into wine. Is there anything you could do to help Andrew's dancing out? And Jesus goes, there's nothing I could do to even help that out. I was laughing hysterical because it seems so real and down to earth. And sometimes we miss the simplicity of that. But you know what? I've come to the conclusion, and I share this with Pastor. I don't know where in the church world, and I talk corporately, please understand this, where they came up that I'm going to go after your sin and your behavior first. When Jesus didn't do that, that's what the Pharisees and Sadducees did. And all the so-called sinners, the outcasts, the throwaways, the judged of the day by the religious ran to Jesus, ran to him. And what did Jesus say? It's the sick 
that need a physician. I know why they're doing it. These are hurting, rejected, broken people. You know what every person in house here, starting with me, we all have in common? Including everybody tuned in, everybody in this world has this in common. We have all been hurt, broken, wounded, felt unloved, unaccepted, felt rejected, went through trauma, went through pain, went through something, and here's the reality of it. That hurt and that pain tells us we don't matter, we don't count, we don't fit in, we're not good enough. You know why the word says there's pleasure in sin for a season? Because literally what sin does is anesthetizes the pain. The man who drove drunk through my house, drinking and driving didn't kill my wife, it had a part in her death. But you gotta be drunk before you drive drunk. Why is he drunk in the first place? He's drunk in the first place because he's anesthetizing whatever pain, whatever hurt that he has that has never been dealt with. Some of you heard of Joni Erickson Tata. I know who she is my, most of my whole life. Over 50 years ago, as a teenager, a world-class swimmer, diver, dives into the water, severs her spine, and she's been paralyzed for these years. I watched her in an interview recently, and I love how she put this. And I'm going to use her words. I'm not saying this. This is her words. She goes, every day, I have to deal with my physical handicap because I have to have somebody take me into the bathroom and clean me up and bathe me and shower me. And this is her words, wipe me after I go to the bathroom. That's what I have to deal with every day. My physical handicap is prominent, is visible. And then she says something that touched my heart because it's what I talk so much about. But the wording she used is what I may not have used. And she says, how many people that are listening to this interview have an emotional, a solical, or a heart handicap? You see, when Jesus died on the cross, and I know Pastor will deal with this even when he does communion at the end, but the reality is everything Jesus went through, he went through to conquer and cover and demolish and destroy everything that the enemy would bring against you and me. And it starts with our heart condition where we've been hurt, broken, wounded, rejected. Forgiveness of sin, giving us a sound mind, and even bringing healing to our body. There's one word that describes Jesus, healer. He's a healer of the spirit, the soul, the mind, and the body. He's a full healer. But you see, sometimes we put this together in the wrong aspect. See, one of my favorite scriptures in the world is found where it says, my sheep know my voice. You may have never heard this story, but every once in a while, a baby lamb is born where the mother sheep rejects it. She pushes it away, she kicks it away, wants nothing to do with it. The shepherd keeps on bringing that baby lamb back to the mother pastor. She kicks it away, she pushes it away. Finally, the shepherd takes that baby lamb, brings it into his own house, and raises it in his own house until he believes that baby lamb is a baby sheep that he can now bring back to his mother. When he feels that that baby lamb is now a baby sheep to bring back to its mother, he brings it back to the mother. The mother receives it. You know what literally just happened to that baby lamb? It just got born again because it got restored to who it was created to be. Here's the best part. When the shepherd comes out to the flock to put oil on their head, to give them water to drink and food to eat or take them out into the pasture, and he calls to the sheep. The very first sheep that run to the shepherd are the bummer sheep 
because they know the voice of the one who healed, delivered, restored, and resurrected them back to who they were created to be. That is God's ultimate desire when he sent his son to bring healing, deliverance, restoration, and resurrection to resurrect us back to who we've been put on this earth to be and to live out that fullness. I keep on learning that every day, no matter what struggles Pastor and I were talking about. I may get knocked down, but the difference between success and failure is the willingness to get up just one more time and to persevere and move forward. So how do we do all of this? We can't do it apart from the Holy Spirit. Apart from the Holy Spirit, we cannot do it. The Holy Spirit's always speaking, always knocking. That's why when Jesus left the earth, could you imagine? He's with the disciples for three and a half years. He dies on the cross. He raises again. They kind of have him back. Kind of a new version of Jesus, but they got him back. And then after about 40 days, he goes, okay, fellas, got to go. Wait a minute. You're not leaving again. Hold on. You can't go. And he says, I have to go. Because if I do not leave, I cannot send the comforter, the Holy Spirit, the paracletus, one called alongside to help. That basically, and I'm paraphrasing a little, everything I showed you, you experienced with me, I taught you, every miracle I performed was because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's even the difference. As that sister prayed that even during the prayer time. We have it different than people of the Old Testament. They did not have the Holy Spirit living in them. And if the system of the Old Testament was perfect, it prophesied what was coming, God would have never sent his son. And the Holy Spirit would have never been sent in that way. So let me give you a very simple example. So brother, I'm going to pick on you for a moment. This is your wife, correct? Yeah, I just want to make sure. Because another church I did this, the guy goes, no, 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 my wife's sitting over there with her heart. What? Wait a minute, time out. <laughs> Very simple question. From this moment forward, you are never allowed to be with your wife in person again. Bear with me. You can't even talk to her on the phone. The only way you could communicate with your wife from this moment forward is through an email, a text message, or a voicemail message. That is it. What kind of relationship do you think you're going to have? Say that again? I like that word. Some guy used a different word that started with an S in a different church I preached at, I promise. But, yeah. <laughs> I wish it was that. But in all honesty, I promise, please, everything I share, I remember Michael Jackson's song. I'm looking at the man in the mirror, so I don't judge anybody, trust me. Okay? Can I tell you something, brother? And I don't mean this disrespectful. Most of the corporate church in America, that's their relationship with God. It's an email, a text message, or a voicemail. They read the Bible, they do a Bible study, they have a book, a Christian book. They even come and hear a sermon. Those things are all important, they're vital. But you know what makes them so vital? You know why you can understand every email, text message, and voicemail message you'll ever get from your wife? They make so much sense because you already have a relationship with her. And I'm, please understand, I'm not getting into the sexual aspect. I'm dealing with the conversation, the intimacy, the time with her in her presence like you are right now. I always tell people, before you ever open up the written word of God, spend time with the word word himself and find what it's like to be still and know that he's the Lord. My sheep know my voice. And you know what the word says as clear as day? I got to come to him as a little child. One of my buddies, 
a pastor in the Tampa Bay area, we, he and I got together recently, and Matt was sharing with me the most pivotal moment in his life took place when he was eight years old. He said in his dream, he was told, do not, from his parents, and his parents in real life had told him this, do not take the bike, you're not allowed to use the bike, you have to ask his permission, you can't take the bike anywhere unless we know about it and you get our permission up front. In this dream, he took the bike without their permission, without their acknowledgement, without them knowing. He crashes the bike, tears up the bike and bangs himself up. In the dream, Jesus comes to him and he said, Bobby, the first thing I'm ready for Jesus to say to me is, look what you did. You ruined everything. He said, no. Jesus picked me up, sat me on his lap, and pulled me to his chest and just rocked on me and loved on me. Pastor and I were talking about this. If I talk you into something, somebody can talk you out of it. If the Holy Spirit does the work, there ain't nobody talking you out of it. Because the Holy Spirit's the one. All I could hope and pray and pastor could pray is that we could direct and lead anybody in any way to tune into that. I always say to people, your TV right now at home has a signal being sent to it. We don't know what that signal is yet until we turn on that television, but there's a signal being sent. There's a knocking at the door continuously. That Holy Spirit is amazing. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, like that first night I prayed that prayer, there was no way I could get through it apart from the Holy Spirit. Every single day, I want to come to the Lord as a little child. Think about your own children. Think about when you were a child, how you went to your parents. There was a faith and a trust and a belief that everything was going to be okay. That somehow, someway, God would pick you up and hug you to his chest. You see, I say this, and I don't say it in any wrong way. When I go to schools in America, I've spoken to more than 5,000 high schools in 30 years, including in the state of Colorado. I've spoken to more than 600 colleges, 600 middle schools. I say this honored. I thank God for every opportunity. The number one thing I get from every audience that people and students will come up and say is thank you because before today I thought it was my fault that. I had a sixth grader at the end of the spring come up crying hysterical. She goes, my mother gave me up for adoption. My adoptive parents have been so wonderful to me, but they never explained it the way you did. And you know what I say? I say to anybody who's been adopted, your birth mother loved you so much. She believed she could not give you the life she wanted you to have or the life you deserved. So she gave you to a family she believed that would love you and show you how much you matter and take care of you. She goes, I never heard it put that way because I thought it was my fault. I watched a show on TV with this precious woman. Once again, I'm not judging anybody, but I love her testimony. She shared a story. She was a teenager, and she went into an abortion clinic. She was going to have an abortion, and for some reason, she sensed the baby's heartbeat because what she even saw on the screen, she got up and ran out, but she felt she couldn't raise that child. She gave that child up for adoption. After 16 years, she's finally going to meet her son for the first time, and the whole 16 years, his exact words, Pastor, were, I thought there was something wrong with me that she gave me up for adoption. Why couldn't she keep me? The number one thing I get from kids and people in America is, 
a family issue. I thought it was my fault. This is what they say. I thought it was my fault that I was verbally, physically, or sexually abused. I thought it was my fault that dad's in prison, mom's a drug addict, dad left and married somebody. This is what kids say to me. Until today, you made it realize that I matter, that I count. And where I came up with the whole you matter aspect was the day I buried my wife over 30 years ago, all 1,200 students and teachers and coaches and counselors on a school day in the tail end of a hurricane in Houston, Texas, showed up on a school day to the church and then the cemetery and their actions screamed out two words to me, you matter coach, you matter. I literally had a picture painted of Jesus on the cross and carved in his arms are the words, you matter. You know how I take John 3:16? Here's my interpretation, Pastor. You mattered so much to God that God would never spend more on you than he thought you were worth. But all the money in the world could not buy you and restore you and resurrect you back to who you were created to be. That it took the blood of his son, the death of his son, and the resurrection of his son to restore you back to how valuable and incredible you are. You know what I say to people all the time? I've been saying it for 30 years. You're priceless. You're irreplaceable. You're unmistakable. There will never be another you. You matter so much. You matter so much to God. You are so needed in this world more than ever. So you know what I say to my audiences all the time? Will you be you? Because everybody else is already taken. You see, I'm not put on this earth to be Pastor Peter. I'm not put on this earth to be him. He's not put on this earth to be me. As we shared earlier. So, sir, right here, could I ask you a simple question? What is your favorite sport? Do you have a favorite sport? Okay, what's your favorite team? Do you follow the Denver Broncos? Okay. <laughs> but let's pick on the Denver Broncos anyway. How about we do that, okay? So I'll ask you a simple question since you like football. Is everybody on the Denver Broncos play the same position? Everybody on the Denver Broncos the same height and weight? Are they the same ethnicity or skin color? No. Are they married to the same? Well, we hope they're not married to the same woman. But seriously, they don't have the same parents. They don't have the same exact kids. You're with me, correct? Well, let me say this to you. That's everybody in this house and everybody tuned in and everybody on this earth. We are all part of the team of the human race, the race that God created in his glory. And you know why we can love him is because he first loved us. You know why people run down the wrong path? You know why the wages of sin is death? Because people are dying to be loved. They've been hurt and broken and they feel unloved and unaccepted and unincluded. They're willing to go down whatever path it takes just to feel love for that moment. Well, guess what? People now realize this. You know who else was dying to be loved? Jesus. Because he was dying to be loved by his creation and to be restored to who his creation was originally created to be. So he was willing to die to have that reconnection with his creation of who they were created to be. He was dying to be loved back because he first loved us. We miss that and too many people don't understand how much they truly matter to God and how treasured and valuable and priceless they are to God. You know what God's desire is for every person in this house today and everybody watching? So, this is my cell phone. 
I have what's called a smartphone. I don't know why, because I'm not very smart at handling it, I promise you. When I'm in schools, I gotta ask kids all the time how to help me out with this. But I have what's called a smartphone. See this bag? This bag represents me and you in the sense of where we've been hurt, broken, wounded, rejected, traumatized, felt unloved, unaccepted, unincluded, felt we did not matter. That's what this bag represents, okay? All of us, something we've experienced in life. See, I always tell people our brokenness chases after us to define us. Your identity is not defined by your brokenness. Your identity is defined by being a child of the Most High God created for a purpose that nobody else could fulfill. And if you don't fulfill that purpose, the world gets robbed of greatness that only you could bring to the table. The cell phone represents us. If I put the cell phone in the bag, is a cell phone still a cell phone while it's in the bag? Yes. yes. Here's the kicker. While the cell phone is in the bag, is it being utilized for the purpose that it was manufactured or created for it while it's, being used, while it's in the bag? No. Do you know why I do what I do? Because God's ultimate desire is to pull his creation and restore them and resurrect them and born them again to who they were put on this earth to be. I'm sharing with you very simply before you even leave this beautiful church this morning, before this service is finished, before pastor does communion, allow everything from this moment forward to be that healing, deliverance, and restoration and resurrection in any area of your life. The enemy's greatest goal is that you would be defined by your inferiority, your insecurity, your inadequacy. His greatest goal is your fear and that you would operate in fear. And as it was even shared earlier, the fear of rejection is the biggest fear that every person carries. Nobody wants to be rejected. So sometimes we'll go down the wrong path just to feel loved. When I tell high school kids, and I'm being honest, I'll pick on a high school girl. I'll say, let's pretend I'm a high school boy and I got a massive crush on you. You know what I'm willing to do? I don't give a flying leap. I will do anything, even if you're going down the wrong path, just to feel your acceptance, because I don't want to be rejected because I'm basing my whole self-worth on how you treat me, receive me, accept me, or not. The enemy's greatest goal is to keep you and I rejected. Before we go to this one song video, Pastor mentioned it, I will be in the lobby after service. I brought with me two of my books, 10 Seconds Will Change Your Life Forever. You matter, it doesn't, leaving your it behind. Everybody has an it that tries to define them. Everybody has a thorn in the flesh that tries to control them, as Paul even talked about. My goal is that you overcome that. I don't set a price on them, I just take donations, but you know what I've been doing for 14 years? If you ever heard of Life Outreach in Dallas, Texas, James Robinson's ministry, I've been part of that. So anytime I get donations for books and I have You Matter wristbands, I've teamed up with them, of course, with many other people. And in the last 14 years, we've been part of rescuing 250,000 kids sold into the sex trade and human trafficking in America and around the world. Because we want everybody to know they matter. So I will be in the lobby and I'll be here, of course, during the picnic. But before I wrap this up and turn it over to Pastor, Please watch this video that Sasha's going to put up called The Healing.
Maker of stars, the sun and moon, heaven and earth to sound by you. Took my weary heart, broken and bruised. Every part you made brand new. could you just say thank you Jesus that's awesome Jesus you are our healer I don't know what you've walked through or been through in life that's why I always say to people I don't know what you're going through everybody has a story to tell I even tell flight attendants on planes every person who comes on this plane has a story to tell in this church every seat that is either being sat in today or has been sat in before has a story to tell of every person who sat in that seat what their story was but God is the healer. 
God is the healer. So Father, I just pray over this wonderful congregation, the leadership of this church, that has the true heart to bring your total healing to the spirit, soul, mind, and body. Father, you know the needs of everyone in here. Father, you're the only one who can help us to forgive, help us to move forward, and help us to live the life you put on this earth to live. Jesus, we love you, you are our healer, and we surrender all to you this day in your most precious name, amen. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed by all of us, he took the bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given to you. Take and eat. And in the same way, after supper and having given thanks, he took the cup and he said, this is the covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. My body, my blood, that's how much you matter. So this is what he's asking you to do, to come to the table and uh, ingest him. And then ask the question, so where is he? <laughs> well, I think he's standing at the door and knocking. Bobby and I were talking about this before the service. And the... Uh, living water rises up from inside you. That's what he said to the woman at the well. So he's knocking from behind the curtain in the inner sanctuary of your heart. And he is faith. So you say, I believe in you. And he says, yes, and I believe in you. In fact, I am belief in you. I'm faith and hope and love in you. And I want you to walk with me every day as we live our life in this world, for you are my body. So Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have given yourself to us and you have somehow in some miraculous, amazing way, and you're doing this right now, you are making us yourself. Oh God, such wonderful, um, I can't, wonderful things I, I can't fathom, I can't comprehend them, but I thank you that you comprehend me and so, Lord God, we worship you in Jesus' name. You're invited to the table. Um, the only thing this costs you is the illusion that you can pay because this is the grace of God. Amen. And so why is it a beautiful name? Because of the j sound, the i sound, this. No, it's a beautiful name because of what it means. And what does it mean? God is salvation. Yeah. And if you go, what does that look like? Well, it got wrapped in flesh and walked among us. And so believe the gospel. That's the benediction. And let me just say, if you'd like to be baptized, we'll have a baptism service next week down at the river. When you're baptized, it symbolizes the fact that your old man, your ego, the self that you have justified, is being washed down the river. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Um, that's your it, I think. But what matters is the one who God created, um, Christ in you, and he's rising from the dead. So when you're baptized, you're dying with Christ, and you're rising with Christ. And uh, I've been baptized three times, once as an infant, 
once when I got stressed out about baptism in college because of my friends at college that stressed me out. Once by an Arab guy at the Jordan River. During the Reformation, if you got baptized twice, some people would kill you, but we won't do that. So if you're in a place where you say, well, I would like to do that ceremony again, uh, as a statement to the people around me and a statement to myself and a statement to the evil one that my old man is dead and my new man is rising from the grave. Um, we'll do that next week. And if you, if you tell us in advance, that's great because we have a little spot down by the river that we send someone down there to kind of reserve the spot. If you're watching online and you want to be a part of that, that would be great. But if you could send us an email, that would, uh, then we could, we could plan for it. But right now, and no matter what, what was it? Yeah, church here first. Yeah, you got to come to church here first, right? But right now, believe the gospel in Jesus' name. If you'd like to stick around for a picnic, that'd be even, that'd be bonus, and Bobby will be in the back if you'd like to talk to him. But see you next week when we'll be back in Romans 12, verse 1, okay? Have a great week.